technologies are reshaping the behavioral trends of how we consume our food and beverages. The most prominent change is the internet-based food delivery industry. Every time a customer spends money at your business, they earn a point. We operate the ghost kitchens, none with a dining room. And ordering is a global phenomenon where people being able to order whatever you want from wherever you want. And the growing reliance on food delivery platforms and the rise of virtual kitchens in Indonesia are also changing how players run their businesses. On this episode, we'll dive deeper into this topic with Edward Tertanata, the co-founder of the uber-popular local coffee chain, Kopi Kanangan. I'm Sean Corrigan. I'm Tanita, and you are listening to Indonesia In-Depth. One of the technologies that has enabled this major shift with how we consume food and beverages is the usage of online delivery apps. The verb to gojekin aja or grabin aja, a meal or beverage, are becoming a part of the daily lingo. In case you're not familiar, I was referring to two of the most popular online food delivery services in Indonesia, GoFood by Gojek and GrabFood from Grab. I mean, think about it. The largest expenses for Indonesian consumers are on food and beverages and tobacco. And a rapidly growing expense behind that is on consumer food services. So you can imagine how it's a perfect combination. A huge demand for food and beverages and these food delivery platforms. Many F&B players have gained a great boost to their business through these platforms. Even though delivery is where the direction seems to be heading, Edward has a different take for a grab-and-go coffee kiosks like Coffee Kanangan. Back then, I think it started with the conventional retail. Um, department store is shrinking and shrinking, becoming smaller and smaller. And I think that is the trend going forward for FNB as well. You don't need to have a big seatings and everything. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think all the t- transaction whether it be for your clothing, whether it be for your food or coffee, uh, everything can be done through online. And uh, that is what I'm leveraging on. There's no point of opening, say, a thousand meter square uh, restaurant anymore, where it was the trend maybe 20 years ago. Uh, because, you know, you know, back then, the, the conventional knowledge is that the more seating, the more revenue. But then nowadays, you have to be as small as possible and then in as many locations as possible because uh, I don't think you can do delivery if it's too far. For example, if you want to get a cup of coffee, you wouldn't grab it from a coffee shop, say, 10 or 20 kilometers away because mm-hmm. the, the coffee will get cold or the ice will melt. And that is why you want to be as in as many locations as possible and as small as possible. That is, I think, the future of uh, food retail. So I would say, aside from being in the right market, where in that mass affordable uh, category, where it's practically non-existent in Indonesia, and then the by design, I think uh, it enables me to rapidly scale as well. Established in August 2017, Edward Tirtanata and James Pronanto saw that there was a market gap between local affordable coffee and high-end coffee chains in Indonesia, which has been dominated by foreign brands like Starbucks. So his chains are no more than 20 square meters in size, and the coffee beverages names are based on playful and somewhat cheesy Indonesian cultural references. But it appears that the market growth is on the horizon. 
Starbucks, which first opened in 2002 in Jakarta's Plaza, Indonesia, has now over 400 branches and growing. But Kopi Kenangan, which is just two years old, is aiming to have a thousand stores by 2021. Edward and his team do not seem to be running short of capital as well. How many branches do you have now? You said you're aiming for what, 1,000? Uh, 1,000 by 2021. I have 96 at the moment and I should have 160 by end of this year and then 500 next year and then 1,000 eventually a year oh, after incredible. that. Incredible. Nowadays, almost every purchase we make leaves some type of digital footprints including in the F&B sector. And the power that this data holds is becoming more and more important for Edward and his beverage chain. Traditionally, the F&B industry didn't rely heavily on consumer data. Instead, they had to trust their intuition and go on their instincts. Free restaurant operator out there, and that is who owns the information on a restaurant customer's order. The restaurant industry uh, has kind of grown on the ability to understand their guests. You've got to be able to do it through data. Nowadays, consumer preferences are constantly changing, depending on their mood, the weather, time, or their location. With the help of data, it has revolutionized the industry by giving new insights into what is trending, where new shops should be established, and how tastes are changing. Now, the problem that many restaurant owners have when it comes to online food delivery platforms is that ultimately, the platform controls all the data, not the restaurants. Some players have decided to make their own delivery fleets. Chains like McDonald's, Domino's Pizza, and KFC in Indonesia are known to maintain their own delivery services rather than rely on GoFood or GrabFood for this service. But this is not Edward's strategy. And there are some interesting reasons behind it. So it's essentially it's a trade-off, right? It's either I want to burn money to online delivery to my own app and make my own ecosystem inside my app, or do I uh, want to you know, save on my unit economics and then grab the data? So I think uh, some businesses uh, essentially want to create a delivery through their own app. But I really don't think uh, that will give you a good unit economics as a startup. Uh, one thing that we have to notice, I am selling a product for say one and, one and a half dollar. So that is why by design, I have always tried to avoid del uh, delivery to my own app because for a product that is worth one and a half dollar, I cannot spend a dollar on the delivery. The customer wouldn't pay for it. And then if I subsidize for it, I will become... Uh, massively unprofitable, much like Luckin actually. If you exactly. check the, if you look at the F1 filing of Luckin Coffee, most of their burn actually comes from delivery, and that is exactly what I want to avoid uh, in Kopi Kenangan. And um, and then getting the data right now, I think online delivery is around 30% of my uh, business, whereas the 70% is actually through uh, 10% is through pre-order the through the app. And then the remaining is actually from just uh, you come into the store and then you grab it and go. That is essentially we are grab and go coffee business. So um, regarding the data, 
even if you look at lacking i think the only data that they are uh, the, the biggest takeaway from the online delivery data is actually where the customers are and then their business strategy is, to, is actually to open in that particular location where the customers order from yeah. because uh, i think even in some of their interview they're saying uh yes uh, they're burning a lot to online delivery and they would like to tackle that problem by having even more store density so they have a heat map they have a heat map oh, okay most of my customers order from uh in location A, for example. And then from that location A, they instantly make a store in there, and then the customer don't need to have an online delivery anymore. They just pre-order and pick up. So eventually the ecosystem that I'm thinking is that uh, as I have enough store density, when people are thinking of coffee, they just have to open the Kenangan app, and then they pre-order. They go there to a humanless experience. They just go, go to pick up the coffee. It is as simple as that. And uh, with that trade-off, I just decided that I I don't think I should do that. I mean, I still have 70% of my customer data because I would like to maintain that online delivery at 30%. Um, with that 70%, when I gather, collect my customer data, then I can do many things with it. The 30% from the delivery apps, is the trend going higher? Is it stagnant since you're open? Because I think you're open in mid-2017 where mm -hmm. these delivery apps are already established. Okay, so basically in terms of the um, absolute number, we are going rapidly. Um, but then in terms of the uh, the percentage of sales, um, it's actually declining. Back then we were 60% delivery, and then now we are at uh, 30%. The reason why it has declined is because I have more stores. Uh, you see, the more stores you have, they will cannibalize each other, right? The online the delivery sales. So, but then in terms of absolute number, I'm still go, uh, we are going very rapidly to the point that I think right now we are number two in the whole coffee category uh, in uh, GoFood. This idea of lower price plus digital tools, tons of locations. You can't really translate that in like the delivery order. The data will tell you. got to be able to do it through data. It's planning to go public. Luckin Coffee is expected to begin trading Friday on the Nasdaq. The company is growing fast, opening nearly 2,400 stores in just about 18 yeah, months. A little bit. So I think I think when you think about Luckin Coffee, what are we? We are, I guess, a new retail model that's trying to disrupt the trend. One of the first model. things that you notice when you walk into a Luckin store is that there aren't many seats. Luckin, whose Chinese name means luck and fortune, Edward was inspired by the explosive growth of China's Luckin Coffee and established Coffee Kenangan based on its model. Luckin is a cashless coffee chain that started in October 2017 with nine stores in China. Now, it has grown to up to 2,100 stores. Its cheap and convenient grab-and-go brand attracts many coffee goers and even rivals its veteran coffee producer, Starbucks. Along with the trend for F&B businesses to use delivery service apps, the use of loyalty reward apps and e-money are growing quickly, often by gamifying the purchase experience. Many grab-and-go coffee shops, including Kopi Kanangan, are developing this marketing method to personalize offers and at the same time, making the purchasing experience more seamless 
convenient, and ultimately, saving time. Which direction are you trying to go for with these apps? Okay, um, the category that I'm in, coffee, is actually very unique. It has a very high daily use case. Uh, I mean, if uh, say I was an OTA application, you open it maybe uh, three, four times a year. I mean, you only open it when you want to travel. Whereas with coffee, uh, most of the coffee you can drink it every day, right? So that is why uh, I offer a, a quite a lucrative uh, loyalty inside my app. And uh, and so far, without even any uh, marketing campaign, I've I've not done any marketing campaign with my application because I'm still trying to improve uh, things here and there. Uh, once I'm sure that the application is uh, robust and good enough, I am planning to do a marketing campaign on the uh, application, but not yet at the moment. Uh, my point is, even without any marketing campaign, right now, 10% of my customers are already using the application because I'm sure you have been to a Kenangan outlet and there's a long queue, right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, and people really, people who haste to queue, like myself, uh, they really appreciate that pre-order function mm -hmm. uh, because you save so much time. I mean, say your office is on the 27th floor, you want to uh, grab a coffee downstairs, you just have to pre-order and then the app will notify you that the order is ready and you just go to go down and pick it up. It's a uh, very time-saving for the customer. So that is the first category of my customer where they, um, you know, they like convenience over everything. Of course, there are other types of customer as well who are, who are very... Uh, promotion driven and uh, that is the uh, the target market that I'm trying to aim once uh, I think I have uh, grabbed all the low-hanging fruits customer which is the one that likes convenience yeah and you received this huge investment uh, just recently uh, from Sequoia India what other uh, things are you hoping to implement with this new funding when it comes to say data collecting and exploiting data okay um, so right now we are not humanless let's just see the app we want the application to be um, uh, more humanless where people order and then they just gotta go and pick it up uh, we have enough customer data we want to do dynamic pricing uh, right now our app is uh, cannot do such thing so basically uh, we know uh, the price elasticity of each customer and then we just give uh, different uh, promotions uh, to different customers because that, that is what I mean by dynamic pricing. So that's why I can maximize each customer's uh, price elasticity. And then uh, another thing that we are trying to do is that cloud kitchen as well, where after we have enough traffic inside our application, we can cross sell by selling other things. Biggest difference between me and other cloud kitchen company is that uh, everything has to be centralized. So everything is made in a central kitchen distributed to a thousand different outlets eventually in the future so uh, that's why i'm not gonna touch something like maybe i am geprek like uh, that's a very popular category in go food but then i'm not gonna do that because you need you need like a full-blown kitchen and each outlet uh, i'm just going to do something that can be made in the central kitchen distributed to the all the outlets nearby having enough density having enough store counts enables me to do many different things uh, whatever uh, if I do have a thousand outlets, whatever I touch in my hand is not just on a single outlet basis, but it can be distributed to a thousand mm -hmm. different outlets. So that is the power of uh, distribution. Edward mentioned virtual kitchens there, which we think is another innovation that is or will be shaping the way we consume food and how players run their business. But we'll get back to that soon. Now, speaking of convenience and efficiency, I want to share a story about how we at Indonesia In-Depth have become more efficient and productive ourselves. And that's because of WeWork. 
So we've been in a traditional office space for years, and I was skeptical about shared workspaces like WeWork. But then I decided to check them out. Well, first, I was impressed with the design quality of the office spaces and the ease of becoming a member. There are no fixed or complicated contracts to sign like you often have to deal with in traditional office spaces in Jakarta. And once we moved in, the community staff moved fast and was proactively assisting us. There are more than a dozen meeting rooms to use, and these are suitable for serious client meetings and weekly roundups with the team. And the people we meet here are great, like-minded people, and so networking feels so easy. Overall, it's been a smart decision to become a member at WeWork, and I think you should too. We've got a special deal for you, and all you have to do is use this link: weworkdaypass.splashthat.com. Complete the short registration form and enter the promo code in depth. And you'll get a free day pass to enjoy a hot desk membership. You'll be granted access to WeWork and the member benefits for the day in any Jakarta location. Definitely take advantage of this promo. The link is weworkdaypass.splashthat.com. And don't forget to use the promo code in depth. And we thank WeWork for their support. Just in, on the food and beverage industry, especially the food industry, uh, there's been some important shifts globally, mm-hmm. uh, including in Indonesia, with kitchens as a service. So uh, ghost kitchens, cloud kitchens, and these are commercial kitchens that are shared, and you can rent them by a month uh, on a monthly basis. Sort of like a WeWork of cooking. For example, cloud kitchens is mm-hmm. yep. the largest investor is the former founder of Uber, Travis uh, Kalanick. Uh, he's also vested seven million dollars in cloud kitchens for just for Indonesia. Coffee Kenangan is basically a a grab and go uh, coffee provider. How do you see virtual kitchens or ghost kitchens when it comes to F and B? Uh, and is that something that you're looking at? And what are your thoughts on that for the industry in general? So the beauty of Coffee Kenangan is that uh, I can open a store with 15 to 20 meters square of space, and as a result, actually, rent is only six percent of my revenue. Um, it is a very low number for the industry standard. The reason being because we are just very small, right? And uh, what I found out, um, I tried to stay away from uh, delivery only, uh, delivery only outlet, just because I think you know all these players want to do cloud kitchen where they don't have any um, offline customer. I think it's such a waste. I think the future of retail should be a combination of both offline and online sales. Like, why would you wanna just cater to on- offline sales only, or vice versa? Why would you wanna cater to just online sales only? I think you're just literally uh, throwing away half of the potential market, uh, right? Uh, whether it be for cloud kitchen, whether it be for kopi kenangan, I think going forward, the future of retail you have to cater to both. Um, and re- with regards to cloud kitchen, you know, uh, mm-hmm. actually going forward, uh, knowing that we'll have. Um, Massive amount of customers. I think at the I think as per July, we're doing one and a half million cups per month. From that one and a half million cups per month, uh, going forward, we want to actually cross sell many things to them. For example, okay, you have been drinking coffee and kopi kenangan for a while. Um, would you like to get say um, uh, banana fritters on top? Indonesian love banana fritter, yeah, for some reason, and uh, so I can cross sell, and then eventually I add even more and more brands. And essentially, kopi kenangan can become a cloud kitchen company as well. But maybe let's not call it a cloud kitchen company. Let's just call it a semi cloud kitchen because I want to cater many different products eventually in the future by using kopi mm-hmm. kenangan as the cloud cooler. 
So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cloud Kitchens and Kitchens United and these other uh, competitors have had success for restaurants who have that large uh, footprint and have the dining spaces in that. So I think it works well for uh, restaurant establishments where you have sit down and clientele and cafes where y- you could reduce your footprint, your rent. Uh, but I guess you're saying that you, you have uh, already o- occupying such a small space already that if 6% of your costs are rent, then uh, you've already reduced that footprint and, and, and saved that money for that. Yep. And one more thing that uh, I always believe is that product is king, but distribution is God. So eventually in the future, once I have, uh, my vision is to have a thousand stores, right? So um, if I have a thousand stores, whatever product I have in my hand will become very valuable because I have that distribution, right? I can sell many things. I can sell, you know, starting from banana fritters, bread, or even last time there was an e-cigarette company that wants to sell in kopi uh, kenangan. But um, but then I would like to be a cigarette neutral. That's why I didn't do it. But then people see the the value of this distribution channel, not just through that a thousand stores, but then uh, say that I can capture half of that market uh, into my application. That means there will be lots of traffic in my application as well, where I can cost sell many different things in the future so yeah going to that point of like um offline to online you want to have more interactions with both offline and online but as you said the your coffee chain coffee kanangan has always been a grab and go concept so what kind of interaction are you hoping for in an offline setting i think i was referring to the sales i want to grab both offline and online sales and then regarding interaction uh regarding interaction eventually uh, the interaction that we would like to get is obviously first uh through the cashier i mean you yeah. you can you can do many things with it for example uh kfc indonesia is very unique they are selling 500 cds per month just because they have 800 outlets and uh that's one of the example of cost selling at its best uh fried chicken joint selling cds that's that's just like out of the <laughs> i always thought that doesn't work out well no they apparently. do they sell more cds than anyone else okay. yeah so no not many people know that 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 is one of the power of cost selling and distribution and kfc doesn't have a waiter going through each table right but then from that cashier interaction they were able to cross sell and eventually that's how we're going to cross sell as well we can cross sell to our cashier we can cross sell through you know uh, our application there are so many different ways we can um interact and eventually cross out other things to our customers so you talked about how you're trying to grow and the scale of your coffee chain basically you already started opening in surabaya and you don't want to rely on that virtual kitchen delivery only system but news you've said that it's a non-franchise coffee chain so how do you uh, expect for you to keep going at this pace and grow and grow without having to franchise without having to rely on other people that's part of the challenge right that's why mm-hmm. that makes it so interesting and uh i think uh the the best way to tackle that would actually be through um automation so because uh, when most people are thinking about technology especially in southeast asia most people are thinking about the consumer fa- facing technology where i don't think that is uh, all there is to a technology 
most people uh, forgets about the backend technology. I mean, the the coffee chain operation is, I think, very outdated. It has always been just like that, right? <laughs> Where you have one espresso machine. So, so the supply chain, also the, the supply lo- chain logistics, and mm-hmm. and if, uh, eventually, coffee kenangan uh, would actually have uh, you know from our uh, online application transaction and our POS transaction. We want to integrate everything into uh, one system where we have a live update of inventory in each outlet. And then we track the coffee bean from upstream all the way to downstream. And then uh, we can always replenish stocks, uh, whether it be from our distribution center or from nearby outlet. We will have that integration system where it allows for less wastage in the future. How are you actually going to track the beans? Um, we are still exploring it. It can be from RFID. We can maybe just use a barcode where we uh, know this uh, certain barcode is uh, from a certain batch. Uh, and then we can scan it before we actually put it into the coffee grinder so we know uh, which coffee uh, batch has which coffee batch has been used or has not been used which one is expiring that one is very important and it's all uh, under development So when I think about coffee and how coffee are served and consumed, there seems to be like two growing trends, or I would say maybe yours more of a trend. This one's more of a past few years back then uh, is that people aim to have coffee shop exactly because of the experience of drinking coffee slowly in the place and then like having the whole ambience, a working place, a thinking place. Um, So I was just wondering whether (laughs) Whether you see yourself as like a you know a deviation of that the people who actually love coffee in that way uh, and make it a more mainstream easy fast um, coffee does that kind of degrade in a way what coffee means for some people? So basically, um, popularized by Starbucks, um, coffee has always been your uh, has always had this third home strategy where your first home is your house, second home is your office, and then the third uh, most frequent place that you visit should be uh, my coffee chain. That is the general strategy. That's why the cost of rent, the cost of Wi-Fi, the cost of nice sofa all are all integrated into your cups. Basically, what Kopi uh, Kenangan is trying to offer is uh, a, the complete opposite of that. We don't serve so we don't give uh, so a nice sofa, we don't give nice Wi-Fi. We just uh, gotta buy our coffee and then go. Uh, is uh, we are providing value in this case value in a way that's why we are um, uh, a lot cheaper than your normal coffee joint is because we don't integrate the cost of sofa and rent into your uh, cup of coffee that's not necessarily what everyone wants but then at least in the market uh, in this such a saturated market I have to have a differentiation and my differentiation in this case is as simple as uh, okay it's we are providing value we were providing a uh, fast service, you know, yeah, because uh, if you go to this third home concept, um, especially the maybe the third wave coffee chain such as Blue Bottle. I love Blue Bottle, by the way. What, what blue, a Blue Bottle? What I'm not familiar with that. Uh, I would say they are like the godfather of a third, uh, third wave coffee chain. They just got bought out by Nestle. Um, I think one or two years ago. They really uh, they cater to manual brew. They cater to Com- complicated beans from you know uh, geisha, uh, complicated geisha bean or Ethiopian beans. I don't know. It's uh, uh it's, and 
well what i'm offering is very different what i'm offering is actually just high quality value which is uh comes to you at an affordable price uh, that is basically my strategy it's it's not uh it's not it's not a one size fits all strategy but i believe that there there is a market for that the third wave coffee shop can you explain what that means again so basically uh there generally in coffee industry there are three waves of uh in the coffee industry first wave is basically your instant coffee you know where you just uh buy in a supermarket you have like this uh, pre-grounded be a coffee beans and just put it inside water and then done okay you have your morning coffee and then second wave is uh your uh, basically your latte and cappuccino but then this is basically the starbucks wave i think the starbucks wave where you just dark roast every bean and then uh, get you your cup of latte and cappuccino and then there comes the third wave uh, started uh, pioneered by blue bottle i feel uh, where the taste of coffee becomes uh, let's just say more sophisticated where they don't dark roast their beans they usually use a medium to dark roast be a roasting profile and then they are usually very small and niche and hipster if you may I mean, I love the call of the third wave coffee. Uh, it's just, but it's just a different taste profile, different market, and I don't think it allows for scalability. That's why I I don't wanna do that third wave uh, coffee business because I just don't think it's just as scalable. One of our guests in our studio audience asked this interesting question: What do you think in terms of your observations and consumer behavior? Do you think this cuts through all segments of the market? For example, not only appealing to Like kopi kenangan is more so appealing to the grab and go market, correct? But does that cut through all socioeconomic strata? As in, like, do people would people who frequent third wave coffee shops also find value in your product? Um, do you think, or this is specifically a middle market play, or do you think all strata of Jakarta or bigger cities would find value in kopi kenangan? If we see our data uh, from Ovo, because Ovo gives us a uh, monthly data as well. Um, it seems like we actually cater to uh, many different uh, segments. Um, for example, maybe middle to low will purchase our product in uh, Tangga Muda, you know, payday. They will gladly purchase it. And then towards, uh, you know, at, at the end of the month, maybe they don't drink kopi kenangan anymore. But then the middle class, maybe uh, middle or middle to upper, maybe they're doing uh, kenangan on a consistent basis because it's uh, cheap enough for them. So uh, I actually cater to many different segments. I don't want to limit myself to just one type of um, economic status. I I cater to all the mass affordable uh, to the mass market of Indonesia. So. Wave coffee movement. It's an extraordinary experience to drink coffee. Consistency in coffee is the hallmark of excellence. Today. A new generation of coffee shops. The flavor of the experience will be great.
it's an extraordinary experience to drink coffee. Can you come and taste our coffee? You mentioned at one point you were selling a million cups a day. Now you're selling how much? One and a half million cup as per uh, July. That's a huge jump. It was a million not that long ago. Yeah. Remember? So these one and a half million cups are plastic cups sealed with uh, plastic uh, using a plastic straw. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at different types of materials or different shapes. I do understand that it's lots of plastic, <laughs> um, but then uh, what we are trying to do is that we're exploring other materials. For example, right now we're actually um, developing paper straw for with Sinarmas actually, um, because the convention is even in the US uh, for bubble tea packaging, you have to use a plastic straw, right? Or else you cannot uh, poke yeah. the, the packaging. So that, that is why it's actually a big problem in the US too. The, this bubble tea chain trying to be more environmentally friendly, but then they cannot do it because the because paper store cannot poke the the plastic uh, seal. And uh, that is what we are trying to develop with Sinarmas. Uh, actually, we do have the product already, but then the biggest problem is that we are selling at such a massive scale of one and a half million cup per month. It's very hard for us to find a vendor uh, because Sinarmas only sells the paper to vendors and then no vendor in Indonesia can actually uh, produce one and a half million um, uh, paper straw each month. So that is why uh, it is under development. It will, uh, we will uh, reach to that point where we eventually be more environmentally friendly, but then uh, it takes time mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I mean, when I only had five stores, then it's easy, whatever, it's very easy to find these uh, alternatives. But then at my scale, it's, it's just very hard, I think. Yeah. And then uh, of course, there are uh, other alternatives to um, uh, plastic cup as well. For example, there are companies that are making a uh, cup from um, Singkong. Mm -hmm. What was? Kazava, yeah, Kazava, yeah. Corn, Kazava. But then one of the problem with this material is just that they break easily uh, compared to plastic. Yeah, so there is that um, uh, spillage issue that we are trying to avoid. But we'll get there too. But it will just take yeah. a bit of time. We have not explored the cover yet, to be honest. But then we are already exploring the cups, the plastic packaging, and the store already for an alternative material. But again, it's just uh, tougher for us compared to, say, a chain which only has five to four outlets. The way we eat is evolving. It seems that the awareness of time and the obsession to save time has pushed us more and more to food on the go. According to the National Statistic Agency, Indonesians are ordering food more than ever before. The definition of dining, too, is changing. People want to enjoy Michelin star menu, but in the comfort of their living room. And likewise, people still want their caffeine fix. But they don't need to be sipping their brew while sitting on a plush sofa with hardwood floors. They want their coffee quick so they can go on with their day. These are all the trends that companies such as Kopi Kanangan is capitalizing on. So we wonder, what other lifestyle trends and behavioral patterns that are signs of where Indonesia's food and beverages businesses are heading? Okay, so I'll touch on what they hate, yeah. 
um, they hit something expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, it's a, 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 tra- a behavior that I noticed in Thailand as well. Um, but then when it comes to beverage, they are actually willing to pay more. For example, uh, you can eat a bakmi, bakmi's noodle for uh, 20,000 rupiah. And they are willing to spend that as much money for their beverage as well, say in uh, bubble tea or coffee, which is essentially the same price as the bakmi. So that is one of the uh, interesting. interesting trend that I see in Thailand and um, Indonesia. I'm not so sure about Malaysia. Uh, I haven't spent enough time there. Um, but then uh, in Thailand and Indonesia, that's what I noticed uh, is a very interesting um, customer behavior. So they, they, they think... Maybe they think uh, two to five times before purchasing an expensive food. They'll do it maybe on Friday or Saturday night. But then uh, on a daily basis, I think they are leaning more towards a cheaper food. So they hate something expensive. And uh, that is why if you go maybe around uh, the CBD area in here, you notice that all these restaurants are empty basically in a weekday. But then if you go to Friday night, Saturday night, everything is full. It's uh, creating a massive uh, traffic jam, right? If you go to the uh, CBD area, Sonopati, Gunawarman, uh, in weekends. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Another behavior is, as I mentioned, people are going more and more towards an online uh, transaction. And uh, it's not just about ordering it, but it's about paying it as well. Um, if uh, I just read an article in I think I think Tekken Asia as well where um, e-money is actually already bigger a lot bigger than credit card in Indonesia I mean it has only been what two three years but then they eclipse credit card already that's 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 something remarkable I think we are going towards that uh, digital behavior whether it be through for paying or uh, ordering mm-hmm. uh, the All of, everything is going into more and more digital, but never forget the offline component as well. Mm. So, and, yeah. and the biggest digital payment is is that GoPay? Um, for Indonesia? According to, te- to Tech and Asia, I think it's actually OVO. Wow, and o- OVO made a quick... Uh, yeah, a quick comeback. Quick I think comeback. that wow. Tokopedia and Grab deal uh, made all the difference, yeah. Uh, but I mean, again, don't take it for me. I just read it in Tech yeah, and Asia yeah. yesterday, so I don't know whether it's true or not. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our studio audience for joining us on this episode. Thanks so much to our guest today, Edward Dirtanata, co-founder of Kopi Kenangan for insights on this industry. You can check out further details on our website at indonesiaindepth.com, as well as updates on our Twitter at IndoIndepth. You can also follow Sean Corrigan at his LinkedIn for additional insights, articles, and information. And don't be shy. You can always contact us with your feedback at our email, info at indonesiaindepth.com. Our executive producer is Sean Corrigan, producer is Tanita, and researcher is myself, Veronica. 